The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. I got off a very frustrating phone call and said to myself, you know what? I'm going to write a book. I I want to do something for myself. I have given all of my creative energy to my employers for the last 15 years. And I want to, I want to take back that creativity. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to finish it by the end of the year. And it's just going to be something I do for myself because I didn't think I would ever do it. And I wanted to show myself that I could. And that book became Every Summer After, which was my my first novel that came out last year. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Number one New York Times bestselling author, Carly Fortune, spoke to me about her storied career as a journalist, writing a breakout hit in just four months, and her latest novel, Meet Me at the Lake. Carly's an award-winning Canadian journalist and the number one New York Times and number one Globe and Mail bestselling author of Meet Me at the Lake and Every Summer After. Her latest, Meet Me at the Lake, is described as a love story about two strangers who come together when they need each other most, once in their early 20s and again a decade later. GMA said of the book, Fortune explores the aftermath of losing a beloved parent and reclaiming a relationship in this unputdownable, witty, soulful, and stirring novel And New York Times bestselling author Jill Santapolo called Meet Me at the Lake a beautiful, heart-tugging love story about secrets, lies, misconnections, and second chances. Carly's worked as an editor at some of Canada's top publications, including The Globe and Mail, Chatelaine, Toronto Life, and now-defunct weekly paper The Grid. She was most recently the executive editor of Refinery29 Canada. In this file, Carly and I discussed what prompted her to reclaim her creative energy, how to write 80,000 words in just four months, why writers need to keep their expectations realistic and protect their mental health, how she starts planning her novels, why extroverted writers need to get into real clothes and out of the house, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. 
All right. We are rolling once again. I am honored today to be joined by a special guest. We have the award-winning journalist and now New York Times bestselling author, Carly Fortune, is joining us. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, despite my forgetting to send you the link to the uh, interview room, we are rolling. And I can't wait to talk about the latest, of course, and this fantastic fiction career that you've embarked on. But yeah, take us back a little bit, as, as it were, um, as we do with so many authors, and talk a little bit about your superhero origins as a <laughs> fictionist now. Um, because, you know, I understand that as an award-winning Canadian journalist, you worked for some really uh, big name publications. You were an editor at the Globe and Mail. And of course, now you're a, a number one uh, Globe and Mail bestselling author as well. So talk, take us back a little bit and talk about kind of that interesting career path. Of course, you have a, a degree in journalism, I understand. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. how you came to fiction. Sure. Well, I always wanted to write a book. Creative writing was my first love as a kid, but I didn't think that being a writer was a real job. Um, I didn't think you could make a living that way. And I was very, I'm from a small town. Um, I was very concerned about money. My parents owned a restaurant and an inn, which is a very difficult business. And so I decided to do something more practical and, or at least what I thought was more practical. And I studied journalism at university. I really loved magazines. I, you know, I had, gosh, shelves and shelves of magazines in my room as a teenager. And so I thought, hey, maybe, maybe that's something I can do. So I, I, I got a bachelor degree in journalism and then I went to work and I went to work as an editor because um, there were more jobs for editors here in Canada than there were staff positions for writers. So I worked as an editor for 16 years and uh, I worked at magazines like Toronto Life, which is our uh, monthly city publication here in Toronto where I live. So it would be, if you live in the States, it's kind of akin to New York Magazine. Mm -hmm. I launched, uh, I was on the launch team for a really cool kind of alt weekly called The Grid. Um, and then I went to the Globe and Mail. And then later in my career, I worked in quote unquote women's publications or women's magazines. There's a magazine here called Chatelaine. And it is Canada's uh, kind of oldest and most well-known women's magazine. I worked there for four years, uh, first kind of overhauling the digital strategy. And then I uh, briefly served as editor-in-chief before I quit <laughs> to uh, launch Refinery29 in Canada, which was a, a digital brand that I really admired. So I um, hired the editorial team in Canada and then um, was working there in the summer of 2020, um, remotely working and very stressed out. And I got off a very frustrating phone call and said to myself, you know what? I'm going to write a book. <laughs> I wanted, I want to do something for myself. I have given all of my creative energy to my employers for the last 15 years. And I want to, I want to take back that creativity. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to finish it by the end of the year. And it's just going to be something I do for myself because I didn't think I would ever do it. And I wanted to show myself that I could. And that book became Every Summer After, which was my, my first novel that came out last year. 
Amazing, amazing. And what a success story. I mean, every summer after was a New York Times bestseller. It kind of got wall-to-wall coverage from some really big publications as well. And yeah, congrats on that. I mean, that must have been such a thrill for you. But yeah, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that transition, that that mindset that helped you to write that book in such a short Mm -hmm. amount of time. Because I understand you just did it in like a few months, right? I did. Yeah. I figured out how many, it was July, like late July when I started writing. And I figured out how many uh, words I would need to write a day to get to an 80,000 word manuscript. And it was 388 words, which I felt like was nothing. You know, I've edited writers and reporters who file way more than that every day with original reporting. And I thought, you know what, I can do that. I can do 388 words. So I um, would get up early in the morning. At the, I have two children now, but at the time I had one child. So I'd get up before he was awake and before I started work and write my 388 words. And sometimes I would get there and then close my laptop. And sometimes I would keep keep going after work ended. And I finished a manuscript in about four months. It was how I survived 2020. It was where I found joy. It was like discovering, writing that book was like discovering something new about myself. I felt like I was coming to the end of my career in journalism and I didn't know what I wanted to do next. It it was something that really upset me. It was something I was really struggling with because I had worked so hard to kind of rise in my career. And then I kind of got, you know, to the top of where I wanted to be and I was really unhappy. And so, so discovering how much I loved writing fiction was like, just this incredible aha moment. And I remember I wrote the book. um, I started writing the book up um, by the lake at a cottage where we rent uh, every year near where I grew up and and where every summer after is set. And I remember I took a, a walk through the bush one day and I thought to myself, if I could do this, if I could write books for a living, like in 10 years time, like if I could figure it out so that in 10 years I could, I could do this, I would be so happy and so it really was, I feel so grateful that I'm, this, this is now my job, but it really was like learning, you know, unlocking this secret compartment that I, I never knew I had. And I think one of the things that really helped me with writing that book was that I, at first it was just for me, like I wrote it pretty much in secret. I just kept my expectations really low for what it was, how it was going to turn out. And I knew that as an editor and having worked with lots of writers that I was not allowed to self-edit as I went along. I was Mm. just going to, you know, push through those words every day and not go back. I was just going to get a draft and done, and then I could figure, figure it out later. And I think that really, really helped. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's such a, that's such an inspiring story, I think, for writers just starting out. You know, and I think probably your training as a journalist, as you mentioned, had helped you to kind of reach those very realistic um, goals. Because, you know, as you said, like 388 words, if you think about it, that's exactly right. Like four months, you're going to have 80,000 words. And then, of course, you know, then you rely on your craft and the editing process begins. Exactly. Yeah. So that's really cool. I mean, because I know you've talked about kind of that transition for you and and people have asked you you know whether or not you you know had any creative writing 
training or courses or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. But of course, as you had mentioned, it's just kind of like, well, good storytelling is good storytelling, whether it's nonfiction or fiction. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. There was this moment when I was writing every summer after where I got a little bit stuck. And this is going to make me sound very simple, but I I was sitting there and then I thought to myself, wait a second, this isn't real. Like I am making this up. I can make this up. And it was so that that moment was so liberating for me. Um and it just it, it, it was just so fun. You know, we do this thing in journalism that I call fantasy editing, where you will assess a story or assess an idea and decide whether or not it is a story that should be indeed published. And sometimes you look at the, the story idea and you go, yeah, no, that doesn't really work. You know, it would be interesting if the woman murdered her husband, married the realtor, and used the money to open her restaurant empire. But the way that it is in reality is not interesting. And so (laughs) it's so fun to just have full liberty to do what I want to do with the story. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Well, very cool and very inspiring story. And congrats on the latest, which we're going to talk about. So now, now that, that you had that behind you, I, know, I understand you had some questions about, you know, can I do it again? Can I, yes. can I do it again? But you had already written um, Meet Me at the Lake by the time every summer after was already kind of making a splash, right? Yes. I had two drafts 
done by the time Every Summer After was published. Um, so, which I'm so grateful that that was the case because those two drafts, uh, the first draft especially, was very, very difficult for me to write. And I think it would have been infinitely harder if Every Summer After had had come out and I was I was still working on the first draft. Well, talk a little bit about the genesis of for the latest, and obviously we'll link to um, your home base there, CarlyFortune.com. Um, it has information and links to all the all of your great work. But um, talk a little bit about kind of this uh, seed of inspiration for the latest, um, and because I understand, well, it is kind of interesting to me that you mentioned that your parents owned an mm-hmm. inn. Yeah. And, a, and a restaurant. Um, so you must have spent some time around uh, that world and that life. And of course, um, yeah, talk about talk about Meet Me at the Lake. Yeah. So the book is about, I'll give a little summary for people who haven't heard about it before. It's about Fern, who, um, Fern and Will, it's a love story. It's just like a summary love story. And they meet, they have this chance encounter in their early 20s, just as they're graduating from university. Um, and they're strangers who end up spending 24 hours together exploring the city. And they have this great connection and tell each other all their secrets and make plans for the future. And they make this pact to meet a year later at the resort where Fern grew up. And Fern shows up that day and Will does not. And then it, you know, cut forward nine years later and Fern is back home at the resort, um, running the place following the death of her mother. It's the absolute last thing that she ever wanted to do. And it's becoming clear that the business is struggling. Her ex-boyfriend is the manager. Um, And then in one, one day walks Will with a very surprising offer to help. (laughs) <laughs> and he is quite different from the guy that she knew uh, 10 years ago. Um, and she's not really sure if she can trust him. And the book kind of goes back and forth between that day they spent together and the current summer. And so the first thing that came to me with this book was the setting. And I find that was the case with Every Summer After, and it's the case with the book that I'm currently working on. I love writing scenery and descriptions of place. I find one of the things I like in terms of setting and romance is that I find it really grounds the relationship in reality. Like I like to feel like you're kind of snooping in on, on two people that you like have this kind of like inside look into them, them falling in love. And I find setting really helps with that. I had given birth to my second child, I think about, you know, a few weeks earlier while, while I was trying to come up with the the idea for the second book, because I was, I was very fortunate that my book deal was a, a two book deal, but it, it all happened very, very quickly. So, you know, suddenly I had this book deal and a baby and I needed another idea <laughs> to start working on. And I, w- I had um, insomnia throughout my pregnancy and then also in the postpartum months, which is just torturous. And I was lying there in the middle of the night, just like stressing about what my next book would be about. And I thought to myself, okay, let's just take a step back. Where do you want to be when you write this book? 
because I find writing is like reading in that you're transported into the world of your characters. And it was, it was as soon as I saw, asked myself that question, I saw this resort, uh, Brookbank's resort, as a kind of dirty dancing style, uh, <laughs> classic lakeside resort with a big main lodge and cabins by the water, except set in Ontario's cottage, cottage country. And uh, Fern came to me like very quickly after that as this person, this kind of prickly woman who had had, had to go home to run the place. And then also that night, I, I knew that I wanted to explore Fern's relationship with her mother and tell their story partially through a series of diary entries written the summer of 1990 um, that would seem to tell of Fern's mother's summer love story, but would actually be about a mother's love for her daughter. That's cool. And as you said, the the dual timelines was a, was something that you kind of dreamt up then, correct? You know, that came in the, definitely in daylight hours <laughs> later, mm-hmm. um, trying to figure out, okay, who who is the person for Fern? And when, what I wanted to do is challenge myself to do the opposite of what I had done in every summer after. Mm. I I kind of see the books as um, companions in this way. So in every summer after the characters, Percy and Sam meet when they're 13 years old and they, um, you see them over a number of years become best friends and then, and fall in love. And they have this um, connection that is very deep and built slowly over time. And I wanted to see if I could build a connection between characters. I wouldn't say that Will and Fern fall in love in 24 hours, but they do have this intense bond. And I, I wanted to see if that, if I could do that, if I could, if I could create a compelling story between the two of them in such a short period of time. Um, So that was kind of the, the fun challenge for me in that book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, very cool. And congrats on the success, uh, obviously already, um, number one on more than one bestseller list. That's <laughs> got to feel pretty good. It's surreal. Surreal. Yeah. I mean, what, how else can you describe it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, what's, what, what else is going on over there? I mean, you're, are you, in the middle of a tour right now? So I just uh, wrapped up my Canadian tour, which was so fun. We did, because when Every Summer After came out, um, we weren't doing, that was last year, and we weren't doing book tours. They did a couple little events here in Canada, but um, so I, I got to do some events in Toronto, and then I went out to British Columbia um, for a few dates, which was fun. I lived in British Columbia for a year and I did a little nostalgia tour of, uh, where we used to live in Victoria, which was so, it was interesting because I was the same age then as Will and Fern are in, in Meet Me at the Lake in the past. And I just like all of that kind of early twenties, hmm. like we think of teenage angst, but I think the early twenties, that period of transition into your adult life is like full of so much questioning. And, um, it's such an exciting, interesting, terrifying time. So that was really fun. And then, 
uh, in June next month, I'm doing a little tour in the U.S. So I'm very excited about that. I'm just, it's just so wonderful to get out of the house and see people <laughs> and talk to people and get dressed in real clothes. And um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an extrovert. And, and one thing about, I'm so happy that I get to write every day, but I really miss having colleagues. I really miss getting out of the house. And so it's, it's nice to see people. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, that is interesting and and probably something we haven't really explored at length. But, you know, obviously uh, there are going to be different types of writers, extroverts and introverts both. And, you know, when you think of kind of the the solitude, yes. the solitary life of a writer, um, you do kind of imagine an introvert, don't you? Yes, I think that's I think that would be. I would guess many, if not most, writers are introverts, but but only because that's you know when I hear writers speaking, that's typically what I hear. That is definitely not the case for myself. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, so yeah, so as an extroverted writer, um, do you find the need? You know, and then I know with kids, it's it's challenging. Yeah, but uh, do you find the need to? Uh, get to, to a coffee shop or kind of how do you scratch that itch? Do you do editing uh, out in public or is that something you can do? You know, I do sometimes work at a coffee shop, but I prefer it's easier just being at home. Honestly, it has been very, very challenging, especially this last year. Well, gosh, I so I started writing in 2020. It's been challenging to scratch that itch since then. And this year in particular, um, my, uh, my youngest went into daycare and my husband had stayed, stayed home with the baby while I wrote. And so my husband went back to work and I was so excited for both having the house to myself, but then going out and meeting friends for lunch and, Mm. you know, but it, the reality is that we, with two young children in school and uh, my husband is a teacher, so he's also in school. We have been sick nonstop since September, and so I have I have been at home taking care of sick children for months, <laughs> months on end, and it's been like imp- almost impossible. I've canceled most plans that I've had. It's been almost impossible to get out. Um, it's changing now with the spring weather. I think 
but it's been really hard. It's been really hard to write. Like I, I, it has been a very difficult season, which is another reason why the idea of going on, on tour is so lovely to me. Just, you know, <laughs> leaving my responsibilities for a little while. Yeah. My editor, I have, I've never met my, um, so I have, I have two editors. One is here in Toronto and my, my kind of primary editor is based in New York, New York. Amanda Bergeron and my, my agent Taylor Haggerty is based in LA getting tongue tied. Um, Hmm. and I've never, I've never met them in person. Hmm. And, uh, I, I say that Taylor and Amanda have changed my life and I will be meeting them for the first time in a matter of weeks. Like I thinking about it makes me teary eyed. I'm so looking forward to it. And Amanda had asked me if I, you know, would I mind coming in to the Penguin offices to meet the team? And I said, um, this is basically my dream. Like you have no <laughs> idea how much I miss being in an office and talking to people. Like, yes, get me in there. <laughs> I don't think that's typical for authors. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, that would make a lot of authors probably. Uh, a little nervous and, and but that's really <laughs> exciting. And, yeah. and I can't wait to hear how that goes. Well, uh, of course, I will link to the book, Meet Me at the Lake. I thought it was very cool. Thank you. That a couple of Ashleys blurbed it. Oh, yes. Ashley Poston, mm-hmm. who has been on this show, also a New York Times bestselling author, um, said of the book, Point, a poignant waltz between evergreen pines and poplars and heartache. And uh, that was pretty cool. Ashley Audrain, who is going to be on the show in the future, um, also said a completely addicting love story about the ways we find who we are and what we want amidst changing dreams and chances missed. Two sweet little blurbs there from your peers. Love those Ashleys. (laughs) Both of them. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah, we're going to have all the Ashleys on. Oh, they're good. And (laughs) yeah, so um, before we wrap up, I know that you have a limited time and you're a busy, busy author mom. But uh, I have a fun question for you before we wrap up with your inspirational advice. If you could have dinner with any author from any era to your favorite spot, or or drinks, or both, um, to your favorite spot in the world, who would you take and where would you take them? Oh my goodness, that's hard. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf now. I honestly like couldn't possibly pick. So I'll pick somebody who is living. Um, and I would say Colleen Hoover, except I don't mm. think she drinks. And I, I would like to be a little bit boozy. <laughs> and and, I, and I, I just really admire Colleen Hoover for how she's handled just an extraordinary amount of scrutiny. Mm. Um, but I would say Taylor Jenkins Reid because I'm just such an enormous fan of her work and also... She is um, just doing so much on so many fronts. There was all these adaptations, and I think Mm -hmm. she co-wrote a script with her best friend. She's also a parent, Um, and I feel like she would be very fun, and I'm I'm up for a night of fun. Nice, nice. All right, so you're taking Taylor Jenkins Reid for cocktails. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, Where do you think you're going to go? Somewhere in New York or somewhere in Canada? I well, I think she's on the. I think she's in LA. Oh, so LA. I think okay. we should go there because it's warm. <laughs> All right, maybe the um, a poolside drink at the um, let's see, the Chateau Marmont. Maybe? That sounds glorious. <laughs> Perfect. 
I'm down. What are you drinking? What am I drinking? Like something, something very refreshing. A Paloma. Ooh. Yeah. Tequila and grapefruit juice. Yes. That's what I'm drinking. Very nice. All right. Sounds like a fun little uh, get together there. Um, so poolside at the Chateau Marmont with Taylor. And uh, yeah, what do you think? Um, maybe just your final kind of pearl of wisdom on how to persevere as, a, uh, as an author who has persevered. Well, I used to say just, you know, you have to write the thing in order to have written the thing because I was somebody who always wanted to write a book and just never thought she would do it. And the secret to that was just writing the book. But I think so many people say that. So I I will instead say to um, really figure out a way to protect your mental health um, because even you know, if it seems like once you get a book deal and you're published, the kind of heartache of being a writer ends, but it really doesn't. And you need to find a way to keep yourself um, uh, as healthy as possible and keep your creative mind alive. And for me, I really, um, you know, I have a therapist, but I also find exercise is just the best way to kind of shake out my anxiety and get my, um, and the cobwebs, like get myself motivated again. I get so many ideas when I'm, when I'm running. So I'll, I'll leave you with that. Love it. Therapy exercise for shaking out the cobwebs and holding anxiety at bay. I love it. And, uh, I'm a big fan of running myself, but, uh, you know, many, many famous writers have been, um, also very, uh, prolific walkers is that a thing prolific walking i think so yeah <laughs> prolific walking yeah dedicated walker there we go okay dedicated yes. walkers dedicated walkers uh, i love it carly thank you so much for taking the time to do this today and um best of luck on your uh whirlwind uh american tour congrats on the success of the latest and we really look forward to uh chatting with you at some point in the future again thank you this has been a delight Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. 